this isn't anything official. It's just kind of my opinion. I haven't talked to anybody yet. Um, I think that we will stay open um, as far as gathering here. Um, people, of course, if you have um, issues that you are concerned about, we're online, and um, I don't know, I think we, um, do we live stream both services? We're on sometime, so, and then it's posted. So anyway, people can watch. The main thing is you can still give online. So as long as you give, um, you know, it doesn't matter. If you're here, you're not here, you don't watch, just send your money in. Um, anyway, unless things get somehow horribly worse, um, I just think we need um, gathering together. So at any rate, you may have seen the article in the paper, some of the churches in town are closing, but I, I don't think we're looking at that yet. So let's turn again to Matthew 6. Sermon on the Mount, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Begins in verse 5. <clears throat> we will re-read it. When you pray, you were not to be like the hypocrites... They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward, reward you. When you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for the many words. So do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Last week we looked at the address, really, the opening part of the Lord's Supper, opening a line, our Father who is in heaven. Let me just finish by way of reminder and introduction to the next phrase, that the meaning of Father is dual. First, in a general sense, there is, uh, God is our Father, and we're acknowledging such He's our Father in the sense of parent source of everything. So He is our parent. He is our preserver and our provider. 
He is the source then. Peter sums it up best. He has given us everything necessary for life, physical life, and eternal life, life and godliness. So everything we need comes from God. In that sense, He is our Father. In that sense, it is correct, if we understand that, to say we are all children of God. But there is a very distinct, deeper sense in which we call God our Father. And that is, if we have been born of the Father through faith in Jesus Christ, receive forgiveness of our sins, new life has been granted to our hearts, and we are adopted into the family of God, that is really the true sense in which the word Father is used in this prayer. Yes, again, He's the source of all things. He is our Father in maybe um, lowercase Father. But this is primarily, of course, this is spoken to his disciples. The whole Sermon on the Mount was spoken to his disciples. He is not primarily addressing lost souls. So the, the best meaning of Father here is as we approach him as one of his children by faith. Now, <clears throat> the two parts... Of this, this is the last little review. The first three petitions express our love to God, our honor to God, our exaltation of God. The last petitions give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, lead us not into temptation. Those are not self-centered at all. They assume, they're based on faith that God is truly a Father in that He loves me. And He never fails to show forth to me kindness, mercy, care, pity, in the proper sense. He said that, it was Psalm 103, like a father, and this is the King James, pitieth his children. In other words, has loving concern for them and long-suffering and mercy for them, knowing their fallenness, their, their flaws, their failures, our weaknesses. We have a merciful Father. The profession then of love to Him and the profession to Him that we know, we trust that You are good and kind and faithful and true. You are a good Father to us. Now, don't worry here, we'll eventually get through this. Um, we'll get through this prayer. Um, I don't pay too much attention to the calendar. Maybe um, that's not good. But um, this series of um, 
examinations of the Lord's Prayer where we, I want to get that done because then I, I need to do another world-famous uh, series because Advent starts, okay? And that we, we cannot have church if we don't have four sermons on the approach of Christmas. So anyway, you, you, there's hope for us to get through the Lord's Prayer. What I want to look at today, hallowed be thy name. The first request, the first rising um, praise to God is, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now what does that mean? Hallowed. That means a lot. It, it literally comes from two root words that mean no earth, no world, no worldliness, no earthliness, no thisworldness. It speaks to the fact that God is the high and lofty one and is in a proper way. He is wholly other. He is separate and above all things so that we are to view him again and i'm not going to repeat everything i said last week he's not my boyfriend or my helps me score you know the three-pointer to win the game Um, he's not my buddy over the back fence he is the awesome holy other completely separate from us god now if we ever get a hold of that we hopefully we can recognize what an unspeakable privilege it is that God of his own accord has bridged that gap between him and us through Jesus Jesus dying to provide atonement for what it is that separates us from God which is sin and our fallenness God didn't have to do that. There was, he was under, in a sense, no compulsion to do that. But because he loved us, he paid that price so that the holy other one could be near and that I could come near, that you could come near, that we could enter into our inner room and bow our heads and say, Our Father, which art in heaven, and he hears me. And he said, my eye is upon the righteous, and my ears open to your prayer. What a privilege that he's extended to us. Therefore, we treat his name as reverend, as revered, with reverence, reminding ourselves that he is to be thought of, spoken of, treated as different. May God, here's the request, may God be treated as, quote, like no other. 
There is no God. He said that himself. Isaiah. He said, is there any other God like me? And he answers his own question. He says, I don't know any. I don't know about any. There is no God like me. When the Israelites got to the other side of the Red Sea, they broke out their tambourines and what other musical instruments, and they sang to God. And the opening part of that is, you are holy and there is no other God like you. That's what hallowing his name means. We treat him as like no other. We are, here's a use of that term that might help us. The Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it hallowed or holy. Okay, what does that mean? It just means you treat it like no other day. It's a separate, different kind of day. The Israelites rested and so forth. Um, so it means to treat God like no other. We don't talk about God like we do everybody else. We reflect on Him as God. Now I know we can be phony about that. We can be weird about that. Uh, I don't know if I ought to, you know, I, I don't know if I ought to say this or not. But um, for millennia, the Jews don't say the Lord's name. They don't, they don't pronounce His Yahweh. They don't pronounce His name. They took the position. It is so holy, so hallowed, that we don't say it. Well, I don't think God meant that. Um, he is approachable. He means to be approachable. He says, though I'm high and lofty, I dwell in that high and lofty place with those that are of a lowly and a contrite heart. So we don't have a God who is a distant, um, cold, hard God. Don't treat him like a fishing buddy. <laughs> he's God. Hallowed, he's different. He's to be treated, our prayer is, like no other, entirely separate from earthly, worldly values, utterly holy. He's the Holy One of Israel. So our whole approach to God in prayer, and remember, this is not, this is not, I don't have to repeat every word of this to be praying. This model prayer means that the attitude with which I pray as that Jesus introduced this is to be reflected. I don't have to pray these, the exact words, but the principles of this prayer and the attitudes of this prayer are what I am to pray. Our Father who art in heaven starts off the prayer. Me assuming the position I rightly ought to assume and it's an acknowledgement of who God is. That's a good place to start. Okay? Now, <clears throat> there is a second thing, a second phrase. Hallowed be thy name. Now, the name of the Lord, for instance, here's a 
proverb. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. What does that mean? What the name? What does the name imply? This is huge. Hallowed be thy name means all that God has revealed himself to us as. How has he revealed himself to us? What has he conveyed to us? In his revelation of his word, in creation, in the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, the conscience that he's given all of us. What, what all does thy name mean? Here's a list. There's 11 things, and I know I didn't get all of them. One, this, if you can ever, or ever um, get a hold of and maybe memorize this little definition of God, the Christian God, that He is an eternal, personal being of infinite power, knowledge, goodness. That's who I'm bowing the knee to. He's eternal. I can't get my head around that. He had no beginning. We can't comprehend that. Everything we know about has a beginning. And it has an end. God has always been. From everlasting to everlasting. Our God. He's eternal. So, we can say, not in a sacrilegious way, but we can say, you know, he's been around the block a couple times. I tell you, we've never seen things like this. Well, he's been around for a while. He's seen it. I was talking to Liz yesterday about, most of us would probably agree, we look out on our world and the collapse of morals and the values, and uh, we're just, our mouth hangs open. We don't even know what to say. And I look at all this and I think, my goodness, what in the world? Think how bad it had to get that God said, I've had it, I'm going to drown every last one of them. But eight... He's seen worse than this. And he's let it go for a while in the hopes of bringing someone to repentance. He also promised, he said, iniquity will go, grow worse and worse, and wicked people will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And then what will he do? He's already told us very plainly. When it gets to where I've had it for a second time in the history of the world, he said, I'm not going to drown anybody. I've put the rainbow in the sky as my promise. I'll never drown you again. But I will burn everything. <laughs> he promised that. He said, it's going to the whole earth the elements, he said, will melt with a fervent heat. And everything that can be burned up will be burned up. So it's apparently, as bad as it is, 
It's not as bad as he's seen it. And it isn't bad enough that he's ready to pull the trigger. Even so much more then, as he said, as the days grow worse, we're to focus on him. And this brings the prayer that the scripture tells us. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. I believe that we, he will prompt us to pray, put an end to this. And he alone knows when the last soul that would turn to him, turn to him, will. He's the only one that knows that. We know until he decides to end things, everything's moving toward a conclusion that God knows about. He will give us every bit of grace we need in the meantime to survive. Now, God's omnipotent means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He is omnipresent. There is no place that I can ever go to get away from him. He sees, he said, from his dwelling place, he said, his eyes behold all the sons of men. He sees us all. Also, he says, I see clearly. I read it in Proverbs the other day. I see clearly every man's way. Or another one. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere beholding the good and the evil. You can't get away from God's presence. He is everywhere present. Here's another attribute of God. He's immutable or unchanging. James said, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, no flip-flopping, and no shadow of turning. More than once, God simply says, very brief words, I am the Lord. I change not. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean it means he's not fickle. He keeps his word. And the things that he said 6,000 years ago were wrong are still wrong today. The things that he said are right, that he wanted us to do, he hasn't changed. Do not sit around waiting for God to rethink something. He's not going to do it. We think of in, in, in a towering display of empty-headed arrogance. We think that God is out of touch. There's Things here in this word that are now archaic. They're old hat. And we must be more relevant today. And then what do we do with that? Do we, do we admit what it really says? It really says, 
God, you're out of it. You don't know what you're doing. We're going to have to take over. That's what it says. But do we ever say that? Of course not. The church is better at being phony, frankly, than the world is. Oh, we want to be relevant. Why? Because we know better than God? Oh, we'd never say that. We want to reach. We want to reach the lost. And so we have everything. We, we sugarcoat everything. We alter and we um, deduct certain ingredients of the gospel so that it tastes better. If you go down to Walgreens or wherever else, there's a sign somewhere in there advertising that you can have your bitter-tasting medicine flavored with your choice. I like wild cherry. I prefer banana. That's what we do to the gospel. Because we really don't believe and we do not take to heart. He said, I am the Lord. I don't change. I don't change. He's also infinitely loving. He is righteous. And what does righteous really mean? His name is righteous. It means he never, ever acts in a way that is not in keeping with or that contradicts his holy, loving nature. So we can rest assured. There's no more people that ought to be secure than believers in God. Because he said, I am always righteous. I'm always truthful. I'm always faithful. You don't have to worry when you get up in the morning that I've changed. I don't change. I keep my word. He's just, even if his justice seems delayed at times. I think all of us, the whole world, the history of humans, we're an impatient culture, but we're not, everybody, so is everybody else. How do we know that? Peter said, don't think that God's delay in returning and judging the world is due to tardiness or unfaithfulness or, older version, slackness. And then he says, the reason God doesn't pull the trigger yet is he is merciful and not willing that any perish. So he is willing to put up with what many of us think he shouldn't put up with. We think, man, Lord, what's going on? And that clearly was expressed in Peter's day. Why doesn't God wrap things up here? This is a mess. He said, it's not that he doesn't know what's going on, nor that he's tardy, that he's kind of a slacker. No, the reason he delays, he's filled with mercy. He doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell. So he waits. That's his reason. Truthful and faithful. That's all meant in the word your name. 
hallowed be your name. So that when we pray, we remember, Lord, you're faithful, you're listening, you're just, you're righteous, so forth. Now, the two phrases together, hallowed be thy name, means what? How do we do that? What, how can I hallow his name? Several ways. One, and we really need to listen to this. We hallow his name in our words, in our conversation, the things we talk about, the things that seem to take up a lot of our time. We hallow God's name with the words that come out of our mouths. I was just a little kid. Can't remember how old, but I, I, was, I was just old enough to kind of listen to my dad telling my mom what he had just done. And he'd gone out to the barber shop, which, you know, we, now we're, um, we go to stylists. Um, but anyway, he's at the barber shop. And, it, you know, the barber shop, if, you, if you're old enough to having gone to the barber shop, you have two or three, four chairs, I don't know. And you have, it, it, it's, it, it's kind of like the big table at Lulabelle's. You know what I mean? Every problem is solved there. And everybody sitting in the chair is, you know, most people are blowhards at some point, And everybody's yakking about what the, the I tell you what this country needs. Um, and there's a lot of foul mouth stuff. And so I'm at home and dad comes home <clears throat> and he's telling my mom, said I was sitting there and he said, um, it just, uh, the conversation turned off color. Everybody's, you know, the, the barber and the people getting their hair cut, all off-color jokes and whatever else. And he said, I was sitting there and I was getting madder as I listened. And he said, it just occurred to him, the scripture just came to him, where Jesus said, by every idle word that proceeds from your mouth, you will be judged. That's a scary verse. And so he spoke up and he said, I want you, everyone in here, he said, have you ever read where Jesus said, by every idle word that comes out of your mouth, you'll give account to God. He said there was a guy next to him who'd been in, in it and he just really quietly folded up his paper and just went out the door. I don't know if he was six feet tall, but he was three feet when he went, left. You understand? He just went out. He said, that you heard nothing. He heard nothing but just clip, clip of the scissors. We hallow God or we basically blaspheme Him by what comes out of here. So when we pray we may not pray the exact words, but when we come to God in prayer and we express, however, Lord, hallowed be your name. 
we cannot then be hallowing His name when we let things come out of our mouth that aren't hallowing to His name. That's how we hallow His name, by what we say. John Wesley, founder of the Methodists, was a little strict, I think. But, plus he was quite busy, so he, he could do this. But he said, I, I, he said, I rarely converse with anyone beyond an hour. Because he said, he didn't think you could converse with anyone, he said, beyond an hour without entering into sin meaning gossip or, you know, whatever. I don't know if that's too strict or not. But maybe he was thinking ahead to social media. I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> we hallow him with our words. And we are, he said, don't let any corrupt, and the word means just bad, or poisonous. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. You know what? We could quit right there, and that'd give us plenty to work on. We also <clears throat> hallow his name in our thoughts that no one knows about. But in our thoughts, where suggestions from the enemy that God is a slacker. Because what if he lets Biden get elected? Really, I think that. Many think, dear God, please, don't do that to us. But he often, and I know this is sort of getting into politics, God has a long history of putting certified, laminated card identified rats, scum, into leadership. And he did it because he said, all right. Even, even with religious, he said, the priests, Jeremiah, the priests lie they deceive, they rob from you. And God said, but that's the way you want it, so that's what I'm going to give you. If that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. Isaiah said, I will, to Israel, he said, I will take away the great orator, the great statesman, the valiant warrior, and the wise man and counselor, and I will give babies to rule over you. Ultimately, we don't choose between Republican and Democrat and whatever else. It's either God rules or then just fill in the blank. Supposedly, George Washington made the statement, I think in his final speech, we will, as a country, we will either be ruled by God or we will ultimately be ruled by tyrants. God is our 
ruler. But if we don't want him, then God... Here's the thing with God. He, though he's sovereign, he never forces himself on us as far as loving, obeying, and following him. And if we say enough, I don't want you, okay. I remember Ruth Graham, daughter of Billy Graham, at 9-11. She was asked by some reporter, you know, you're a Christian, why does God allow this? She was, I appreciated what she said. She said, listen, she really fired back. She said, listen, we have spent generations as a country telling God, leave us alone. Don't tell us what to do. He's given us our way. We hallow God by resisting temptations to think ill of God, to listen to the slander of God that comes from the enemy. We hallow his name by, and I use this in the right sense, we defend God. No, he didn't do this. No, he's not responsible for this. No, he hasn't failed. He's good. Sin doesn't come from God. It comes from the devil and evil people. They're to blame. Not God. We third hallow God, hallow his name with our daily behavior. With our behavior. Just how we live, work, act. How we talk to the bank teller. But just how we live. I'm grateful for something. I know there's a few exceptions that I've dealt with over the years here. But I'm grateful that for the most part, I don't think about or worry about saying to someone in the community, so-and-so goes to our congregation, goes to my church. That's a good position to be in because I know they live out there because their hearts are right. They live how they act here. And I'm proud to be able to say, that person goes to my church. Now, once in a great while, I've, you know, I thought maybe I better not say anything. Um, I'll give you a list of those people at the back door. What a privilege, though, to, to know in my heart and from my own observation, these people walk the talk. That's a privilege. I, I thank you for that. That's how I hallow God's name. That's a, that's a Christian. I hallow him in my family. I keep God's name holy by training, teaching my family. And not just when they're little, but as long as we have breath and we have opportunity, we stick to the Word of God and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's a privilege to be for any of us to be raised in that kind of a home and what a blessing we are when if we weren't raised that way but we found the Lord and we decide by the grace of God that's how my family's going to be I wasn't raised that way but my family we're going to change we're different we're taking a different path finally we hallow God in our vocations 
talking to someone yesterday at um, Trunk or Treat um, about business in general, being honest in business, sometimes <clears throat> refunding when you don't have to, shouldn't have to refund. Um, it's like Psalm 15 says, a righteous man swears to his own hurt and doesn't change. It means I'll keep my word even if you haven't. We set who we live for and we hallow God's name by how we do business and how we represent his name wherever. I, this hasn't happened to me very often, but to be brief, um, I went, <clears throat> bought a car a long time ago, an Oldsmobile, which they don't make anymore. And there's a reason for that. Um, I averaged, I went in 30, in, in six months, I had my car into the shop 30 times, okay? I ended up dealing not only with the dealer, I ended up dealing with the region and all that, um, um, whoever was over all that. And I always dealt, just happened almost every time of those 30 that I was there with trouble with this brand new car. I always dealt with the same service writer at the GM dealer in Anderson. And I'm a wonderful human being. Everyone knows that. Um, but I just felt like, oh, look, this isn't this guy's fault. You know, he didn't make it. Um, they did it up in Detroit. <laughs> And it probably got made on a Friday or else the, thir the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, which uh, you never bought a car. Listen, the people that build those know how to read VIN numbers. And they, can tell you, they can tell you when it was made, and they, they would say, don't buy a car if it's got these numbers and these letters because it was made before Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever. Um, but anyway, so it must have been made on either a Friday or something. I always got the same service writer. Never gotten, you know, went nuts with him or, you know, hollered or told him he was a jerk or whatever. And finally got the thing fixed. And I can't remember. I think that was in the, it was a late, into the fall, heading into winter. I didn't see him for six months. Never, never had any problems anymore. Didn't go out there. Easter Sunday morning, I'm greeting some people coming in for Easter Sunday. Family walks in, two kids, wife, and I recognize that's that service writer. He had no idea that I pastored that church. They were utterly lost. And when I say they were lost, lost. <laughs> Knew nothing about God, church, anything. But God had been eating at them and they got up on Easter and said you know maybe we ought to take our kids to church and you know they need it and he walked in and he recognized me and I recognized him and I can't tell you the the feeling I had of Lord thank you that I didn't get cross with him or tell him what I thought of GM um, he stayed his family got saved we can hallow God by just how we deal with stuff. 
And God's faithful to help us do. We're his billboards. Every one of us are his billboards. And I could hallow his name as he directs me and helps me represent him. Well, we need to quit. Um, we'll f- that's the first petition. The next two, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does that really happen? How often does that happen? Can we thwart God's will? Yes, we can. We'll look at that next week. I want us to bow our heads before Dan comes and prays for us. I do want us to just ask the Lord. And he he usually talks whether we ask Him to or not. But Lord, do I hallow Your name? with my conversations, my behavior, the way I seek to train and influence my family, how do I carry on business in the world? Am I hallowing your name? Father in heaven, I want to just take a moment and allow you to search our hearts in this room, including mine, with this scripture in mind. When Paul wrote to the Colossians so long ago, that all you do in word and deed, do it through the Lord Jesus Christ to the glory of the Father. Father, as we quiet our hearts for just a moment, are we doing that? Are we bringing glory to you in word and deed in all that we do? Lord, here's what I know. As you've spoken to each person here, we are either going to continue to do all that we do to your glory in word and deed, or we need to begin to do that by your grace. So no matter how you've spoken to each individual in here, may each individual just simply be obedient to you. We know you're faithful to help us. Help us to be faithful, to be obedient to what you speak to us about. Thank you for your truth. And may we be a congregation that hallows your name here in the quiet of the sanctuary and in the daily activities of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. You are dismissed. Have a great day, everyone.